Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. to our kingdom this is under consultation an episode by episode podcast guide through the uk's greatest video game challenge tv show games master i am one of your hosts luke cohen welcoming you into the matronly bosom of your podcast living room as always he's joined by ash plank versus (laughs) here with my own somewhat ample bosom I, I thought that would be the best one to do, and then I suddenly realised I'm really going to struggle to say matri, matrimony. I can never say matronly. The, matron. Ah, I couldn't say the word right. But anyway, I, every time I was writing it down in my notes, I kept spelling it wrong, and it was just <laughs> annoying me. You have matron blindness. <laughs> the Carry On films must be a lonely experience for you. As this is our review of episode three of Games Master, it aired on January 21st, 1992, nearly into the February period, and our number one film at the box office is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. As a boy, he was always different. No one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. Go inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. Brief spoiler, I've taken a look at some of the number one films we've got coming up as we go through the series, because I'm like, really? This was number one in the UK? I mean, don't get me wrong, I am a cinematic trash panda. My Netflix and Amazon Prime history would make Roger Corman reconsider his career choices. It's Mm -hmm. that bad. But even I'm like, Freddy's Dead was number one in the UK? That film's awful. (laughs) I mean, it's barely a film at times. It's more 
I don't know, it's more Star Wars Holiday Special. All it's missing is B. Arthur with a couple of extra arms. This The series was done by this point. It's really funny because like, I've, I've done a couple of marathons of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I can definitively tell you what happens in one, two, and three. When I get to four and five, I, I play a game of, oh, is that in four or is that in five? I get those two so easily mixed up in terms of which kids are in it, which deaths are in it. I get them so madly like confused. I decided when obviously we talked about the fact that this was coming up, but I deliberately didn't go and read the synopsis or rewatch it. <laughs> right. I'm just like, right, let's write down notes what I can remember about this. One is we get a lot of flashbacks. Mm -hmm. We see uh, Freddy Krueger as a kid, that bit I remember. Alice Cooper is his dad. <laughs> yes. Okay, of all the stunt casting in the film, that's probably the coolest, yeah, although yeah. by God, he's a bastard. <laughs> and for some reason, Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold turn up that's... as a childless couple. Yeah, because they go back to Springwood and it turns out that there's no kids there anymore. And like Roseanne and Tom Arnold get super excited because there are some kids in town because they've, they've returned to Springwood. And you've got... Um... Brett uh, Brecken Meyer is in the movie, future uh, John Arbuckle in the Garfield movies. Yeah. And uh, he gets killed by the Power Glove, which we saw in uh, a previous episode of this podcast. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. I mean, of all the deaths in the film, it's probably the most believable. <laughs> I mean, I can see that Power Glove doing some damage. Also, a, a brief guest return for one Johnny Depp. That's right, yeah. Which is weird as well because because when it came round to doing New Nightmare, he um, I remember Wes Craven did an interview where he said that he can't like, he brought back all of the original cast from the, the first movie, but the only person he didn't bring back was Johnny Depp because he thought he was too big by that point. And then Johnny Depp said like, "Oh, I wish you'd have just called me. I'd have done it." And uh, and then you got and then so you think, "Oh, okay, maybe Johnny Depp had already gone past the series." Yep, there he is in episode six. Yeah, I think possibly for Wes. There was an element of Freddy was kind of trash at that point, particularly yeah. after Freddy's dead. And New Nightmare was also taking it in a quite different direction. Again, I sneakily looked ahead. We are going to get to touch on New Nightmare. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about that one because hands down, the original, Dream Warriors, and then New Nightmare. That is my Nightmare on Elm Street trilogy. Those yeah. are the ones that I just will fall to. Absolutely. I completely agree with you as well. I'm very much looking forward to getting to New Nightmare because it's a very exciting film. But unfortunately, Freddy's Dead is not an exciting film to talk about. I think my favorite quote from that is one of the guys from, who would eventually work for New Line in that uh, Never Sleep Again documentary series, who just says, too many people survive in that film. Like when you look at that final shot when like his daughter says, Freddy's dead, there's like 10 characters behind her, all of which could have died throughout this movie, but they're all just surviving. At least, okay, made number one over here, but at least domestic America, there were probably more survivors on the screen than there were asses in seats <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and our number one song in the UK chart is Good Night Girl. It's a new entry by Wet Wet Wet. Hmm. I don't know this song. I actually forgot to look it up as well. Um, but I do remember Wet 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 being a big thing in the mid-90s, particularly with my mum. Wet Wet Wet, they were the knee trembler that was in every uh, middle-aged woman's Santa stockings. Yes. <laughs> Got infected by Dominic Diamond, it's quite weird. Uh, but the one thing is, you mentioned Wet 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 to most people that were maybe uh, 10 or so, teenager at the time. They're going to think of four weddings and a funeral. Yes. That was it. That was Wet Wet Wet. 
you look at them at this point in time, they look like a bunch of Fabios. They're all <laughs> open shirt and flowing hair. They look like a boy band. And I've got nothing really interesting to say about it. I wish I did, because this should be an easy one. We've had bow rap for two weeks, more than that in the actual yep. world. But then this song comes along and it's kind of... Eh? It's a number one for a long time as well. We, we get this... Ep I think this might take us almost towards the end of the series. I can say with, with comfortable certainty that there are a lot of people, sometimes myself included, that complain about the current state of chart music <laughs> and complain about the current state of the film charts. I'm sorry, because <laughs> really... Some of this is bloody awful, <laughs> and we've got a lot worse to come. Oh, we certainly have. We, we've got we've got novelty singles to get through before we reach the end of this particular tale. Oh yeah, we've got two unlimited before we get anywhere. Hey, <laughs> there is no no limits to two unlimited. I will not hear a word against them. I had their their album on cassettes. Like I I'm, I was a two unlimited fan. The, wait, they had an album? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what was great though? Released this week in the video game world, Ninja Gaiden for the Turbo Graphics, but crucially and more importantly for me, Metroid 2 Return of Samus on Game Boy. Oh. What that and that was my introduction to the Metroid series. I remember borrowing that game on the Game Boy, but not actually getting to play much of it. So I actually didn't directly encounter a Metroid game until Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo. Mm. Well, I so I've got Metroid 2 Return of Samus for the Game Boy. I'm pretty sure, like you, I borrowed it off of someone. But my game playing experience up to that point had been platformers. So it was Sonic, Tasmania, Castle, uh, Castle of Illusion. It was Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, which I, you know, I got the year later. And so my gameplay experience was you start at one end of a level, you run to the other end of a level, and then you have done that level and you go on to the next one. So when you're presented with something like Metroid, where it's, as you say, the, the ex exploration side of things, I didn't get it. I, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, why? I've run all the way to the right. And apparently the level has not ended. And it wasn't even a case of we weren't used to being able to run left. Most of the time, the games wouldn't let you run back left. If yeah. you missed that block with the mushroom in, you couldn't skip back. It was off the end of the screen, That's and right. that was it. So yeah, it was a brand new uh, gaming experience, but hinted of greater things to come. Indeed. Now, I know it's cold out there, but if you set your chili bits out in front of this show, they'll thaw out in no time. For this is the program that is the television what a knob of hot butter is to a crumpet. On tonight's show, we will attempt to unwrap video games from the neon swaddling clothes and deliver news, tips, and reviews into the matronly bosom of your living room. And we said on the last episode, it felt like Dominic Diamond was trying to restrain himself from his parade of dick jokes. Ha 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 ha! Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Out the gates, he has got several of them in this one opening way. He said, I know it's cold out there, but if you set your if you set your chili bits out in front of this show, you'll be thawed out in no time. And also, we are to video games what a knob of hot butter is to a crumpet. Oh, yes. Now, one, innuendo, definitely innuendo, but also really gave me a headache <laughs> because a knob of hot butter is essentially a liquid, therefore cannot be a knob. Now, if you're oh, going to yeah. do your innuendo, at least have it make scientific sense, Diamond. For God's sake, do your research. I'll be honest, I think he just wanted to say knob on television. Yeah. Yeah, that's essentially... I, I, I mean, yes, okay, fine, be logical. <laughs> and he walks up into the, uh, what, the word I cannot say, Matri is it Matrian, Matrian Lee? I shouldn't have started with this as my opening gambit, to be honest. Hang on, I'll tell you what, 
You say he welcomes us to, into his, and I'll put the other word in, okay? Thank you. So he welcomes us into the matronly bosom of the living room. Thank you very much. <laughs> teamwork. <laughs> that is teamwork right there. This is why this show is going to succeed. Okay. <laughs> but let's head on over to Gamesmaster to find out what our first challenge is. Greetings. So once again, you tuned in to pit your wits against one of my little challenges. You really are gluttons for punishment, aren't you? Lifting us off tonight is a young superhero by the name of Mega Man 2. Your task is to guide him through the satanic heatman level in under three minutes without losing a life. For ultimate success, you'll need to leap from block to block over molten lava, avoiding all manner of metallic villains. Negotiate secret chambers where blocks appear at random, and finally, polish off Heatman himself, a most troublesome end-of-level guardian. Let's hope this little challenge won't be too hot for you to handle. Oh, this is a tough challenge. Beat, or as Heatman's stage, as, he, uh, as the Games Master would say, but beat Heatman's level in under three minutes on Mega Man 2 without dying. No, this is a one and done. This is tough. This, this is insanely tough. I mean, it's not insta-die like Mario or, or to a degree Sonic, which is two well, hits. You do you, have an energy. down a hole. Well, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, but in theory, you have energy as a character and you get that brief in invincibility period, yeah. kind of refractory period, if you will, to continue the dick jokes. But no, when I saw this challenge come up after, you know, not having watched this episode since I was a kid, I'm just like, no. <laughs> Calling it now. He's not he, going to do it. He's not doing this, no. He's not going to do it. And Games Master shows us a clip of Mega Man fighting Heat Man at the end of the stage. I'm like, we're not seeing that fight. He's not getting there because not only have you got to like navigate through a level on a fairly tough video game in 1992, sorry, 1991 even, and you've got to try and like navigate this through in under three minutes with one life. There's no way you'll get to that. There are so many disappearing and reappearing blocks in this level. You were, you were never going to do this. Also, I mean, the enemies, like most things in the Mega Man games, are assholes. They're following you. Yep. They react to being shot by actually attacking you, which I suppose makes sense. But it, it's a tough game. The Mega Man games are known for being tough games. We've discussed this before. In concept, I love the Mega Man games. <laughs> in actuality, I play it, go, oh, hell no, and I put it back and play something I stand a cat in hell's chance of completing. <laughs> anyway, um, who was the victim? As well, our victim was Nick Kerncroft from Muswell Hill in a lovely San Francisco 49ers jumper. Did he even know who the San Francisco 49ers were? Because... Well, see, now I seem to have... I've got a vague memory in my head that they were a big deal in terms... Of, and the only reason I know that I have this as a vague memory is that my brother went to America or he had a friend that went to America and he brought him back a American football that had the San Francisco 49ers logo on it. To this day, they're one of the only few American football teams that I can tell you where they are from and what the franchise name is, because it's been embedded to me since the early 90s. So I just don't know whether they were a big deal or if they had some sort of hold over here. The main thing I remember from that period of time when it comes to American sports uh, puncturing the uh, English subconscious is um, basketball hats of, of yeah. various teams. I had a Denver Broncos hat because I like the logo. Years before I found out how terrible they were, <laughs> NBA Jam, I think, was the one that revealed that they were, in fact, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Nick Megaman, is that one of your favourite games? No, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> Are you pretty confident about the challenge? Well, I hope so. The, the easiest bit is probably the start, the hardest bit is the end. So. Okay, well, that sounds a bit um, a bit logical. Yeah. And, um, okay, not one of your favourite games, but you're quite confident about the challenge. I hope so. Yeah. Okay, if you'd like to go and sit in a lovely um, pine wood hot seat. Uh, Dominic Diamond says this is an awesomely difficult challenge and warns us that, quote, all manner of things can get scorched. Testicles. That's exactly it. <laughs> Uh, but Nick from Muswell Hill says that it's not one of his favourite games, but he's going to give it a go. I thought he was a good kid, actually. I thought he was he did really well on camera. He he did. He seemed quite comfortable. Could mean he's a plant. We don't know. But he no, he was fairly comfortable, but not overly confident. He knew what he was in for, put it that way. Indeed. He says that it's going to be very easy to start, very hard at the end. Dominic Diamond says, that's a very logical way to look at it. Didn't give him much to work with, really. It's just like, <laughs> can I make a dick John? No, no moving on. Um, but returning to Games Master, the Jazz Man is back to testify from Me Machines. Julian Jazz Mags Rignall. Oh, love the Jazz Man. Uh, he says that Nick needs to have lightning quick reflexes to get through this. Lots of awkward pauses between him and Dominic Diamond. It felt like this was, they'd done one take of this and then thought, do you want to do another one? Nah, do you know what? It'd be fine. And here to help me commentate on this game from Mean Machines magazine is Nintendo expert Julian Jazz Rignall. Julian, welcome back to Games Master. Thank you. Um, any general tips for Nick on this game? Just lightning reflexes and uh, just a bit of luck, really. It's, and honestly, it doesn't matter. We've only got £10,000 to spend per episode. Let's not waste time doing retakes. Yeah, there's no, there's no budget for looping on this show. But also, the challenge itself is not a particularly exciting one to commentate on dominic's like what do these enemies do who are these guys yeah and the enemies repeat uh you encounter the disappearing blocks thing within the first i don't know less than a minute and then it's just a case of jumping disappearing blocks enemies repeat until he stacks it and falls down one of the aforementioned gaping chasms yeah it's really unfortunate and actually to your point there's there's a good portion of this challenge where there is no commentary whatsoever it just feels like they, the pair of them just ran out of things to say. Credit to Nick, though. He gets through the first bit by just charging through it and then nails the first disappearing block room. And yeah, then he gets to a series of disappearing blocks and he just slightly mistimes it and falls down a hole. He jumped where a block was going to be about half a second oh, after he passed the point. So close. It was. And this also gives away that he had been practicing this level, which is further confirmed because. He said in the um, after challenge interview yeah. section, he goes, he had similar problems on the other goes. Oh, oh Nick. Nick, come on down. <laughs> Nick, commiserations, you were doing so well that all of a sudden you slipped into gaping chasm down to the pits of hell. What happened? Well, I've had a lot of trouble with that last time. Every time you jump, it doesn't appear. Every time you want it to appear, it doesn't every time. Right. Anyway, so, it appears. You were, you were so close. Jazz and I were getting really hot and sweaty up in the commentary box about it, but you just let us down. Not to worry, Nick. Have you enjoyed coming into Games Master? Yes, I have. Well, you can take all our sad thoughts and commiserations back to your pew, and thank you very much, Nick. Thank now, did he mean rehearsals, or do we have another infamous Games Master multi-take challenge? Mm, indeed, yeah. I was actually guessing for, for little Nick here, but yeah, you're right. He said he had trouble with that bit earlier. And uh, Dominic Diamond says that Nick got he and Jazz are all hot and sweaty in the commentary booth. Gross, Jesus. man. Gross. 
Also, unlikely, that church is freezing. Have you seen how many of those kids are in puffy jackets? And it's not because they're in fashion, it's because they're bollock cold. Um, a fun challenge to a degree. I mean, it was fun to see Mega Man 2. But just as soon as, the sh- as soon as it started, as soon as Games Master announced it, like you said, I was like, this kid's never doing this. Unless, of course, this kid has practiced this out the wazoo. And when he said, I've not played this game, I'm like, he's never doing this. Yeah, You're I, not it- getting through that in your first go. If this kid had done this in one shot, they may as well close the show down. <laughs> Last challenge, Games Master would have been a three-episode series, and that's it, because someone did a Mega Man challenge in the first go. Absolutely. There's no point. Nothing will beat that. This week, it's time to shift your gear sticks as we look at racing games. Set. Go. First up on the Amiga, put your feet to the floor with Lotus Turbo Challenge 2. The sound and graphics really are absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's showcased stuff. I think it's great fun for the for the novice drivers, but uh, you know, it it tends to get a little bit boring after a while. You'll tend to find that a lot of the levels you'll complete quite quickly, quite easily, and then you'll end up seeing, well, it's just another racing game. Our review section for this week is based on driving games. Dominic Diamond gets another quick sneaky dick joke in there saying we need to shift our gear sticks. I'm getting to the point now where I'm writing things down thinking, I think it's a dick joke. But I don't know, maybe he's just saying words. And because Dominic Diamond is saying them, I'm assuming that they're innuendos. He does have a permanently innuendo-ridden voice. And I think it's safe to assume that if it made it onto air, it's a dick joke. (laughs) God knows what didn't. And given our reviews this week is Duncan McDonald from Zero Magazine, Maff Evans from Amiga Format Magazine, and a kid called Dan Kelly. And our first, our first review is for Lotus Turbo Challenge 2 for the Amiga, um, which very much looks like OutRun. It does look a lot like OutRun. I remember seeing this game advertised a lot, and like most Amiga games, thinking, man, those look great. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and those better, look yeah. beautiful. And racing games were an interesting thing at this point in time because we were only just on the cusp of 3D gaming. So... Most racing games actually all followed roughly the same technological format, which is the car stayed in the center of the screen and the track rotated or scaled around it using sprite scaling and some parallax scrolling to show movement in the background. When it worked well, it was amazing, but it did give a lot of the games a very, very samey feel. Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much they say that in the reviews. Duncan McDonald says that the sound and graphics are brilliant uh, and it's a good-looking game, whereas Maff says that uh, you'll quickly realise it's just another racing game. I did actually read into a little bit on this, though. I actually checked out the Wikipedia page for Lotus Turbo Challenge 2 for the Amiga, and uh, I've got this little passage here which says, Barry Leach's intro music for Lotus 2 is often found on playlists of retro computer music web radio stations. It contains a subliminal message in the form of a sampled voice at around the 12-second mark, played through the left channel only, which says, You will not copy this game. You will not copy this game. Ooh, <laughs> that's sneaky. Yeah, it's cool, I right? I like that. Yeah. Uh, the sample is played very quietly during the first few bars and can be easily accessed by any mod tracker program. The hi-hat and voice samples at the very beginning of the main theme is taken from Yellow's Oh Yeah, uh, a song that became famous as the theme for another sports car in the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh yeah. Bom, bom. <laughs> Uh, so yes, that is um, Lotus Turbo Challenge 2, uh, which uh, lads Dan Kelly says gets a bit boring after a while. Remember what percentage it got? It got 68%. That seems fair. It was, as I said, most racing games were same old, same old. 
but not this next racing game. Second on the grid tonight, burn some rubber on your Amiga in Formula One Grand Prix. Very sophisticated, certainly for the for the Nigel Mansell, certainly for the serious races. It's very fast indeed and plays excellently. Absolutely smart with a capital S, basically. I mean, it's just like being there. This next racing game was a bit groundbreaking, even if it doesn't look so by today's standards. I've written here, this looks like an early PlayStation or Saturn game. And it's on the Amiga. <laughs> it was on the Amiga, it was available for DOS PC, and this is a game before DirectX, before Direct3D, before NVIDIA, before Radeon, before GeForce, before even uh, Voodoo and the 3D blasters. This was just done on processor on a floppy disk but it is a 3D, a fully 3D vehicle racing game, and it's a Formula One simulation. It is literally Formula One Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, Duncan McDonald says he, he calls it sophisticated and says that it's very much for the serious racers, whereas our boy Dan says that it plays fast, it plays excellent, and Math calls it smart with a capital S. It's like being there. If you're very drunk, yes. <laughs> it it was interesting technologically because obviously it was working around the fact that we had no 3D acceleration. And I think it was only the second fully 3D racing game because I do remember this at the time because I was watching it and I was seeing it in the magazines and they were going, this is something special. This is where we're going. Doesn't move that great. And they did something interesting technologically with this, which is rather than have a game that moves at a constant speed but maybe drops frames when the CPU's struggling, so when you've got a lot of cars on the speed. They set a fixed frame rate. They set it for, I think it was either 15 or 20 frames per second. And if the CPU couldn't keep up with that, it didn't drop frames. Time in the game slowed down. Mm. So time would stretch, <laughs> the clock would run slower, which must have made it quite weird but also was what they could do with the technology at the time. And purely on a technical point of view, I think this game deserves the score it gets oh, yeah. and more. Yeah, 89% uh, Formula One GP gets. Bringing up the derriere on the master system, frolic your way across the landmarks of Europe and outrun Europa. The master system doesn't cope with 3D racing games very well indeed, but it's quite fun if a little jerky at times. The graphics aren't fantastic. In fact, at times they're a little bit crap. But yeah, it's quite a nice game. And it's quite incredible to go from that, which basically looks like this is what the future of games looks like, to our third review, which is for Outrun Europa for the Master System, which gets to quite bad 52%. And I mean, yeah, Duncan says the Master System can't do racing games. <laughs> and essentially, here's why. Here's why. <laughs> And then Matt Poor says, old Master System, it really was literally a pig on a stick at this point. <laughs> there was the Nintendo, the NES still had a charm. The Master System had already been surpassed by the Mega Drive. And, you know, unless you wanted to play Alex Kidd on it, you were. That, yeah. that was it. That was about the only real advantage was if you wanted to play the first Alex Kidd. I think the, the score that it gets for 52% is summed up so brilliantly by Matt, who says, The graphics are crap, but it's all right. <laughs> Apparently the Spectrum version was really well received. Your Sinclair gave it 83%. So it's just the Master System version that's not very good. Or, in fairness, the Spectrum reviewers had lower expectations. <laughs> what surpassed the ZX81 on the Spectrum, kind of like, Spectrum? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. The Master System surpassed by the Mega Drive. Indeed. Now for our new game section. 
one of this year's most eagerly awaited computer releases is Dune. Here to give us an exclusive sneak preview is Ian Mathias from Virgin Games. Dune the game. Um, it is based on the movie of the same name. The player takes the part of Paul Atreides, um, whose mission in life is to kick the Harkonnens off the planet of Dune. The Harkonnens are mining spice. Spice is the most valuable element in the universe. Um, Dune is the only planet to contain spice, so it's Paul's mission to get rid of the Harkonnens so he can mine the spice. <laughs> the strongest features of the game are the incredible graphics, the sound. The game is very, very much like, we call it an interactive movie. Um, that means that the player is actually taking the part of Paul and it is very much like playing inside a movie. Uh, but our preview that we've got for this week is for June, or Dune, if you want to be one of our American listeners. Uh, for the PC and Amiga, we've got Ian Matthews from Virgin Games taking us through this preview. He is clearly a fan of the book and or the film because he talks about this backstory with very lavish detail. You say that, but I have an issue with one of the first things he says. Oh, right? Well, he says it's based on the film, but it's not. It's based on the book and the film. They use visual guidelines from the film, including the fact that your character looks like Sting. But they deliberately, or seems consciously, do not mention the book. Hmm. They do not mention, I believe, Frank Herbert either. Yeah. They just mention, based on the film with the same name. Okay. And I found that very odd, because the developers, the de developing team, were definite Frank Herbert fans. They were fans of the book. They were also fans of the film, which is not as common as you'd think because you think Lords of the Rings or Hobbits people were divisive over the books versus the film. Dune was a big war. <laughs> oh, and yeah? there's still some people, yeah, there's still some people that will not watch Dune the film, that they will consider it heresy. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah it, Have they got any thoughts on the new one? Because we've got a remake of it coming out either next year or the year after. I've no idea. I assume most of them died of bitterness and old age. <laughs> I went to go see June fairly recently. I went to go see it this year, actually, at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. And it is a film that has got, I would say, conservatively, the first 45 minutes of it are exposition. It's just characters talking around being like, here is the world. And then another character will go like, ah, and here is an interesting thing about that world. And then another character will walk in and be like, ah, but what about this thing from this world over here? Tell me about this character. That's the first half of the film. It's like they took their pacing guide from Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah, the slow motion picture. The slow motion, <laughs> the motionless picture. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's exposition and very tight trousers on Sting. Mm-hmm. Very tight trousers. Oh, yes. He's not doing tantric anything in those. No, they were, they were painted on. They, that was just liquid latex. They just slapped <laughs> it on him every day. Hope he shaved. That'd be bad. <laughs> Uh, Mafius uh, says that it's got, quote, incredible graphics and sounds. Well, you're making the game, mate. I'm not going to buy that, am I? I'm not going to buy it. Just because you tell me it's got incredible graphics and sounds, I'm not going to believe you. This is the first time we get what is essentially a proper fluff piece on this Games is, Master. This is really This fluff. is an EPK. This yeah, is a press kit. Completely. Uh, he calls it an interactive movie. We find out it's going to be released in June 1992. And brilliantly, it'll only cost 25 quid. 25.99. Can you imagine? The video of June at that point would have probably cost you that much. <laughs> it's an interactive movie. I take an issue with that as well. Because, of it being, being a, quote, interactive movie. Because while, yes, there were certainly point-and-click interactive elements, there was also real-time strategy going on because this laid the groundwork for June 2, made by Westwood Studios, who went on to a little-known franchise called Command and Conquer. <laughs> and by calling it an interactive movie, I think they're doing the game a disservice because when this game came out, this EPK bigged it up justifiably 
it was a damn good game. And then the CD-ROM version, which added in clips from the film, as well as voice acting and sound and uh, and full orchestra soundtrack and all that jazz, it just pushed it even further. It was a really good game. And it got very, very high scores as a result and is still regarded not only as a good entry into the Dune universe by most people. The Dune universe. The Dune universe. <laughs> Copyright, get that one down. <laughs> but again, it's considered highly influential because arguably without it we wouldn't have seen june 2 go to westward and we wouldn't have got command and conquer which then wouldn't have been butchered which then wouldn't have become a payola scheme but hopefully we're getting a decent command and conquer next year so maybe it'll all be all right and without command and conquer we wouldn't have had space 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 (laughs) or rick flair wrestling a bear (laughs) (laughs) well let's move on to our celebrity challenge and to tell us what we've got in store here's the games master Hello again. Um, I do hope you enjoyed my last little jaunt. Wasn't quite up to it, was he? For the second of this week's challenges, I thought um, a little cross-court rallying on Pro Tennis Tour 2 would be in order. I must confess to being a bit of a cricket man myself, but of course, that game takes too long. Anyway, mustn't ramble. Tennis it is. First person to three games wins. Give it your best shot. Is Pro Tennis Tournament 2. Uh, Games Master tells us that he's more of a cricket man, but the game takes too long. I feel like he's really kind of getting into it at this point. He may not know what he's talking about per se, but he's giving it a damn good go, and I either the script was superbly written for him at this point, or he's in a black polo neck, he's got a camera pointed at him, and he just goes for one he ad-libs oh, he can, does some full yeah. ben affleck ad-libbing there and he just shoots some shit i can totally buy into that as well i was actually reading uh, ellie gibson's article that she did for Eurogamer about like that she did like an oral history of uh, games master she interviewed lots of people from the show and in that they talked about like the contract negotiations for patrick moore was he essentially said i do uh, all my contract negotiations where i just ask when can i drink it I basically just buy him a bottle of whiskey and that's it that's all you need to get that's if you can get patrick moore a bottle of whiskey you can get him on your show that's amazing full disclosure patrick moore could be a very problematic individual let's call him slightly misogynistic no let's call him (laughs) very very misogynistic uh so many outdated thoughts methods uh ideas of the world very right wing Mm. as well there's a flat earther as well i think which <laughs> blows my mind almost as much as johnny ball being a climate change denialist <laughs> maybe it was all the lead paint on the toys they used to play with i don't know but at that point in time when i was a kid and before the internet and before most of this was knowledge that i could easily just go to wikipedia and look up and suddenly find that someone else i respected as a child actually turned out to be a bit of a cock. Patrick Moore was this guy that made science and space. 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 <laughs> space. Kill an emotional moment. Made <laughs> space exciting. And he had a certain quality in his voice and his presentation, and it's why he worked so well for Games Master. Because even when he was being a bit condescending or a bit dismissive, which he gets Mm -hmm. as people really begin to cock up these challenges, (laughs) it's kind of like a kindly uncle kind of thing. It it doesn't feel like there's any actual malice in it. And I think that was important for the show. You didn't want the kids to go back and see themselves being berated by everyone on the show. Dominic Diamond was quite enough. And apparently as well, like according to the, the interviews I was reading, they initially wanted, it was going to be a kid. It was going to be a baby. Someone Did someone from that show go to work on Teletubbies? Because like, that's a... <laughs> 
Because also later on we had Games Master as a son. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I'm here to pound their balls along the baseline tonight. We have Saeed Hersey from Mile End, and he'll be taking on former British ladies number one, Annabelle Croft. Now, Saeed, you've got you've got quite a formidable task here up against the experience of Annabelle Croft. How are you going to handle it? Mostly by luck and probably by the hits I gave her. Right, you've got quite a firm right hand, Saeed, yeah? Well, how are you going to counter that, Annabelle, against the young pretender from Mile End? Well, I've been out running every day for this match, so I'm, I'm hopefully prepared for him, but I think he's, he's quite good. Oh, but this is a game you desperately want to win, Desperately, Annabelle. yes. Um, speaking of uh, Dominic Diamond, he does say that uh, we're now going to pound our balls as we get into this challenge. I watched this episode on the way home from us recording episode two, and when we got to this challenge... I was sat on the train and I was actually hunched over because <laughs> I was crying because I'm like, you cannot be saying this. I mean, you are. The words are coming out of your mouth. But yes, he he talked about pounding balls along the line. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and that's actually probably one of the least problematic things that he said during this segment. I... I the celebrity challenge as well. Well, in this one, we have got uh, Saheed Hershey from Mile End with a wicked flat top taking on former ladies number one, Annabelle Croft. Now, oddly, I thought there was no close-up shot of Dee doing this in, in Dominic Diamond, I should say. I've got Dee in my notes here. Me too. <laughs> Which makes me Which think... also makes me think Daredevil sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's a bit confusing, but yeah. But it makes me think this was all ADR or like they didn't get the shot properly and then you just had to re-record it sometimes. It was just, it's oddly shot from afar. Hmm. Do you think maybe he didn't quite have the ball, so to speak, to go through with some of this in front of them and then they went back and re-looped it afterwards? Well, I either that or I don't think he said Saheed Hershey's name right and then they had to do a retake of it. Well, not a retake of it, but they had to just do him, uh, get him back into the booth to re-record the name. Possibly because also the way I saw this written down was Saheed Hersey, H-E-R-S-E-Y, silent H or non-existent H. Exactly. So, so maybe, maybe that's... wrong as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it could be his matronly. <laughs> uh, Annabelle Croft won Wimbledon in the Australian Opens in 1984 and at one point was ranked the 24th in the world and retired at the age of 21 to start a family wow they she's also she... wearing a lovely red jacket <laughs> she looks like April O'Neil but she... I mean like the live action April O'Neil she, she does she, she looks like she's ready to talk for Channel 6 News <laughs> and she's just going to go out there and find those turtles someone's about to throw a sigh in her direction <laughs> No, at the line, at not the, at her. No, Man, that would have been a very short film. No, we get to that in the next episode, oh, though. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, we do. So I remember her this time because obviously she'd been big name in tennis and she was also phenomenally attractive. Mm -hmm. Not a pinup because she was actually kind of too classy for that. She didn't move on to the FHM and the Loadids when those times came, or at least not as far as I know. Mm. But this was the beginning of her television presenting career because she went on to follow Annika Rice in, I almost said Challenge Annika, it was in a Treasure Hunt mm -hmm. on Channel 4, but then also had her own variant on that show with Interceptor. I do not remember that show. It's where there was her as the good person, and then there was a bad guy in a leather jacket that was chasing them, uh, chasing the contestants and all this stuff. It was kind of a next level uh, treasure hunt. Oh, cool. I will say this for Annabelle Croft as well. She's brilliant in this challenge. She's so likable. She is. She could have been a nice cop to Dominic Diamond's bad cop yeah, on this totally. show. She could have 
been a host, but she'd already kind of transitioned into that from the years of being a celebrity and also how, I guess, like approach she was because she'd done a lot of media stuff. She knew how to handle being around people. And I get the real feeling that uh, her and Saeed had been like getting to know each other in the green room. And by that, I mean playing tennis. Yes, absolutely. Not what Dominic Diamond would infer. And yeah, there's a real friendliness. And she also seems to be proper into it as well, into the idea of gaming, even if she's not as experienced in video games. Yeah, she is having the time of her life here. She says she's been running to prepare for this, which I'm just like, you. she must have loved Wii Tennis. I tell you that yeah. much. It's such a, like, that's an adorable little thing to say as well, like, before you go. And it's like, I've been running to, pre- to prepare for this challenge. Whereas Dominic Diamond just says that Sahid has got a firm right hand. <sighs> And then as we go into the ad break, Dominic Diamond promises new balls and some soft forehands. Tell you what, I spat out my glass of Robertson <laughs> barley water at that. That was uh, that that was the one. I mean, that is essentially the most blatant wank joke yeah, on here. It gets worse, but it yeah. Even he looks kind of satisfied of <laughs> I hope I get away with that. And he did. Okay, well, for you at home, if you want to find out who is going to win this super match, then join us after the break for some new balls and some soft forehands. How will your dog feel about new Spiller's Good Life? It's a dog's life without good life. Somewhere on planet Earth, a scientist creates the ultimate machine. At last! A machine that will give him the power to journey into the mega world. With thousands of colors, 16-bit graphic technology, and 10-channel mega stereo sound. The most advanced video game system in the universe. Yes! Mega Drive from Sega. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Are you singing in the rain? Just singing in the rain. Will you hurry up in there? What a wonderful feeling. You weren't the only one out late last night. I'm up, 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 up. And don't forget to clean the bath when you've finished. Optrex, are your eyes trying to tell you something? Welcome back. If you have just joined us, Annabelle Croft is facing a serious encounter with young Saheed Hershey from Mile End. Here with me in my pulpit commentary box is the lovely Tom Watson from Renegade. Tom, bit of a tough encounter this for Annabelle. Well, I was watching Saeed playing earlier. He had a couple of practice games. He looks fairly potent in this one. I think he'll do well. Right, well, the ball boys are in position. So are we. Are the competitors ready? Yeah. Then it's time for me to call time, please. And Annabelle, when you're ready, sell. And we come back from break. Tom Watson from Renegade is in the booth. And he said that Saeed has been very good in practice, uh, which in hindsight is very difficult to believe because he is crap at this game. He's crap. I think he's also, he looks nervous. Yeah, he's super nervous. He's nervous. And again, fair credit to Annabelle. She is doing everything possible to make him laugh, to make him smile and make him comfortable. She is. She may go down as the loveliest guest of season one. Yeah, I'm not I saying can... we should create that category of best guests of season one, but I guess we are, and I think she's already won it. <laughs> she's already won. I mean, I've watched through to the end of series one. She's definitely won. And Pat Sharp's on this show. I mean, man, can you get nicer than Pat Sharp? Hey, That's well, difficult. you can. It's Annabelle Croft. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, she gets a, a, an ace so quickly and then goes up 30 nothing, and she's just having so much fun you can see her laughing because they have this great rally back and forth and you can hear her laughing at the more it goes on and then when she wins she has a proper like way well, the interesting to look at here dominic is the serving circle this is how the player actually positions the point at which the ball will land on the service right so annabelle got an excellent first serving there oh well it's um sides up with the net and annabelle oh, he smashes that from size he's taking control of the net keeping annabelle restricted to the baseline here Annabelle's trying to drive the ball oh a script went up a little bit there that was quite pleasant and annabelle is still stuck in the baseline trying well to what annabelle really needs to do she tried it earlier was another love she needs to keep loving side This is also, I think, definitely the best celebrity challenge so far. This is this is also one of the best challenges so far. This is actually on par with the football game yeah. because it's well, yes, it she does score points very quickly and get the upper hand. When that volley starts up and it starts going back and forth, it's like a proper tennis match. Yeah, it's it really is. going in there. And Dominic does comment that they're staying to the center of the court and not really exploring the space. And I'm like. Fair point. Also, shut up. <laughs> this is good. This is wholesome. I was so into this. I was ignoring that you can very loudly hear them mashing the buttons. <laughs> it feels like there's very little skill going. It's just a lot of... The joysticks at some point are not being touched. <laughs> because Dominic didn't have much room to get a dick joke in, he does instead call for a slow motion action replay of the few frames of animation where Annabelle's little pixelated tennis player has her skirt flip up slightly. <laughs> Behave yourself 
Have a cold shower with your cup of tea, you filthy animal. Uh, Annabelle takes the first game, 40-15. It's such an offhanded thing, but I I re-ran this a couple of times because it made me, like, just had a beaming smile. When they switch sides, Annabelle doesn't know where her character's gone. (laughs) (laughs) You can just hear her go, Where Where have I gone now? (laughs) Man, Saeed must have felt like at that point. He's like, I'm losing, and she doesn't even know where she is. (laughs) And then... Annabelle dominates it once again because Saeed keeps getting too close to the net. Like, he just keeps rushing the net. Eventually, he learns from his mistake, but Annabelle wins the second game, breaking his serve 15 to 40. And she hits this teasing lob in the third game. And you can hear Saeed go, I cannot believe this. (laughs) Dominic Diamond suddenly remembers who he is during the third game and points out that Annabelle is well on top of Saeed. (laughs) And she is well on top because she wins that final game 40 love, dominated the proceedings. Zahid only got two points in the whole of the three games that they played. Poor lad, he's got no answer for losing as well. Like, it's just, uh, 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 it doesn't know what to say. Commiserations, Sahid. You, you looked to be out of the game at one point, but fought back only to see it slip out your grasp again. What do you think was the crucial factor? <laughs> just, just, just the skill of Annabelle perhaps told a bit the experience at the end. Well, Annabelle, I mean, some amazing racket head control from you. There game. was. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> call your footwork in the slightest. <laughs> I couldn't believe it myself. My adrenaline was really going, but it was a lot of fun. Okay, well, yeah. Annabelle, I know you've won many prizes already in tennis, but none as prestigious or indeed large as this one. You have won our amazing, mystical, golden joystick. It's like being asked a trigonometry question in maths. It's like... Oh, I feel so bad for him as well. I do, because... Oh, God, the drubbing he must have got. The stick Uh, he would have got. Oh, dear. Could only be saved, because I tell you what, I bet he got some nice, like, pictures of him getting hugs off Annabelle. But, and I tell you what, that would score a lot of brownie points. Maybe it will do. It would help him work on his forehand as well. <laughs> well, speaking of working on that forehand, Dominic Diamond says that Annabelle's won many trophies, but none more prestigious or as large as the Games Master Golden Joystick. And then says, and I quote... I don't know where you're going to put that, but I'm sure you can have lots and lots of endless hours of fun with that. I don't know where you're going to put that, but you'll have endless hours of fun with it. Either that was dubbed, or she no-sold it like a boss. Like, she she was just all smiles and just going, you're implying I'm going to use this as a masturbatory aid, aren't you? Oh, yes, you are. Of course you are. I've got to believe Dominic Diamond gave her some degree of warning of, look, I am a filth monger. That this is, is my job. Yeah, this, this is my job. I have floppy hair. I have John Lennon glasses. I have a neat line in waistcoats. And my mouth opens and spews forth filth. I did write my notes here. Oh, that's a nice change. A fake dick joke. Yeah. <laughs> He then says, uh, while I get my breath back, which makes me think it's a cum joke. <laughs> Refractory period. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into the consultation zone. Hey! Hello, Games Master. Welcome to my kingdom. I am delighted to see you. And what have you got to ask me? I've heard there is a secret room on the first level of Alex Kidd. I've looked everywhere for it, but I can't find it. Is there any way you can help me? Hmm. I must admit, it's an awfully long time since I've had to preoccupy myself with Alex Kidd. However, if I recall correctly, there's a secret room next to the palm tree just past the third chest. Simply jump up and down to break the blocks on the ground and the room will reveal itself. Thanks a lot. Bye. 
Our first game is Alice Kid in the Enchanted Castle for the Mega Drive. I actually had to look up which Alice Kid game this was because I had to, because I didn't know. I was like, these all look the bloody same. I actually thought this was the Master System original. I originally wrote down Miracle World and then I watched some playthroughs of them and I watched the one from Enchanted Castle and I was like, oh no, there it is. That's the level that they were talking there. And I watched them do the, the, the little escape thing as well. The reason why I thought it was the OG, as it were, is one, it, it, Games Master says, Oh, it's been a long time since I've had to think about this. And I'm thinking, well, that would kind of equal the Master System version because that was the equivalent of a packing game yeah. on the Master System and the Master System 2. Because yeah. it, was, it, was, it wasn't a packing game. It was a consoling game. It was built Daddy, in. Yeah. Don't, put a, don't put a game in. Just press on. You get to play Alex Kidd in Miracle Worlds. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but no, this was uh, in the Enchanted Castle for the Mega Drive. It came out in 89. Uh, so this kid wants to find the hidden world in this. You just got to jump and kick. Very simple, Alex, kid. There's just not a lot of complexity to that game. Jump, kick, and then you get to an end boss, and you play a nice little game of paper, rock, scissors. Simple stuff. No wonder no one likes Alex, kid. On to the next, please. Hello, Games Master. Hello, and delighted to see you. I've been playing Cadaver for over a month now. I can't get past the dragon. He fries me every time. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> A good question, young man, but this is indeed a most tenacious reptile. Follow these instructions carefully. Once you're into the dragon room, call up your inventory and drink the fire shield spell to protect you. Then select the massacre spell that you should have collected from Lord Carolus' altar in the chapel and fire it to finish off this troublesome creature once and for all. Right, thanks a lot. I wish you success with this one. Uh, the second kid uh, has been stuck on Cadaver for the Amiga for over a month and he just cannot beat the dragon. Uh, Gamesmaster tells him that you'll need to have the Fire Shield spell and have gotten the Massacre spell from earlier in the game. Cadaver looks like a brilliant game. Full disclosure, first couple of times watching this through, I thought the guy called it Kid Devil. <laughs> and so when I went to look up the actual game, I'm like, this... This doesn't look. There is a couple of games out there called Kid Devil, and I'm like, this doesn't look anything like it. And then I went back and I looked again. And I'm like, oh, Cadaver. Never played it. Does look excellent, but it yeah. is a Bitmap Brothers game, and they are one of my favourite studios of that era. We got them to thank for Speedball 2 as well. Yeah, yeah, which we'll uh, hear from in a future episode of mm, this. I look forward to that. Yeah, I checked out a long play of it on YouTube. It's nearly four hours long. That's a fair. I mean that. That requires some stamina of the day. It does indeed, yeah. Right, on to the next, please. Hello, Games Master. In Turtles, I cannot get off level three. What shall I do? My, my, you are behind, aren't you? Now, listen carefully. To get off level three, you need to rescue Splinter, who's in the building at the centre of the map. Defeat Mega Turtle, and you'll go on to the next level. Thanks very much. Not at all. And the third kid is stuck on level three of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. This is probably one of my favorite types of Games Master hint, which is essentially, oh, you're stuck on the level. Well, perhaps you should try finishing the goddamn level. <laughs> you foolish child. It's the weirdest thing. It's like I'm stuck on level three. Have you tried beating level three? Ninja Turtles is a very tough game. Very tough. But this does make it look very simple and make this child look like a chump. And this comes back to the whole idea I have, which is the kids go in, stand in front of the blue screen, go, Oh, Games Master, I'm stuck on Ninja Turtles. Blank. Thanks very much. And didn't actually get the answer until it aired. Yeah. Which also meant that they were sat for three and a half months <laughs> waiting to find out how to complete the game. And then it's like, oh, I just... Oh, look how much our world has changed. In this entire time, you and I have called this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
And it's not Ninja Turtles, it's Hero Turtles. This is 1991. For this kid, that's three words too many, it's just <laughs> turtles. <laughs> Which weirdly, in Germany, that is what it is. It's yeah, turtles. turtles. I've got yeah. the German Blu-ray of the first movie, and it just says turtles. Uh, das movie. I mean, to be honest, I got really wound up with this, only because he kept calling him Mecha Turtle, and I'm like, that is Metalhead. You will call him by his proper name. You will respect the law. Metalhead, one of my favourite ancillary characters in Ninja Turtles, because also that first generation Metalhead figure was all chrome so and shiny. Cool. Had like kind of a weird Robo nunchuck fist. Yes. And badass. Yes, it was so badass. And in the more recent Nickelodeon cartoon, the 2012 not, one. Yeah. Such a cool character in that as well. Absolutely amazing. Love me some Metalhead. Um, also, a, a bit of a shout out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode of The Toys That Made Us on Netflix is brilliant. It is really good. It's also incredibly sad. Oh, that, my heart was breaking by the end of it. It's not only a great story of the Ninja Turtles and the toy franchise and how it was all licensed. It's also a real warning about what fame and money can do to friendships. Yeah. Because these guys were so tight, and then for 99% of the episode, spoilers, they're not in the same room, they're not even in the same state. No. And that's brutal, because that is what fame did to them. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to you and I when this podcast becomes one of the most listened to things on the internet. Uh, I don't think we're even friends. <laughs> Now for our final challenge, let's see what Games Master has planned. After the frenzied stroke play of that tennis encounter, I felt a, a rather more sellable challenge would be timely. I have therefore opted for Zoom, a fun little game in which you need to complete a series of grids by drawing a line all around the squares. The task I've set aside for you is to complete the first grid in less than one minute. A stern test of nerve and logic. Watch out for the green hen. It will be trying its hardest to gobble you up. The first grid to compete in less than one minute. Face away. See, Dominic Diamond's not the only one that can do dick jokes. Games Master talking about some frenzied stroke play. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is Zoom for the Mega Drive. You've got to complete the first grid in under a minute. Um, I thought this actually looked like a bit of fun. Had you heard of this game before this? I have seen this artwork but I've never actually played the game. Do you want to hear the synopsis for this game? It, yeah, I actually nearly got the synopsis for this off Wikipedia, but please do tell us about it. <clears throat> Earth has been captured by space phantoms using magical force fields. The only hope for Earth's survival is Mr. Smart, a rabbit-like creature. Mr. Smart must travel from shield to shield while outrunning the space phantoms in order to save the world. It's a good job that I had that synopsis because I'd never told any of that from this weird-looking dizzy arsehole <laughs> with rabbit ears being chased by a glowing green hand. Yeah, this is, a, this is a puzzle game where essentially you've got like a little grid of tiny squares and you've got to run around them and try and light up all the squares. It's also kind of like an isometric version of Snake. Yeah, yeah, I'd see that. You can, you can pick power-ups along the way. And I'll be honest with you, based on the way that these three kids play it, I don't know if this can be done in under a minute. Spoilers, none of them actually managed to do it. 
but none of them come even close. They don't come with an arse's roar of completing this. They, but I mean, one of them comes within an arse's roar. Was he saying an arse's roar? <laughs> one of them came within an arse's roar of actually surviving the minute. <laughs> Give him credit for that. Now, this is a short, sharp, spunky challenge. And I think what I'll do here is see if I can find three plucky contestants from a congregation. So if there's anyone out there who fancies the chances at the Zoom challenge, please thrust one of your arms up into the air. Oh my word, now we have quite a few people here. Uh, let me see, how about you sir, with a sensible haircut? Yes, you'll be lovely. Um, oh yes, there is a young man there, we'll have you. And uh, now one more, let's hear that lovely young lady at the back there. That's our three contestants. Give them a round of applause. Okay, welcome to Games Master. What's your name? Scott. Scott, hello there. And our second man up. George. George, it's nice to see you. And our lovely lady contestant. Zola. But this is also a first, and I'm not sure moving forward how often we get this repeated, of we don't have some guy that wrote in, possibly, he picks people out of the audience. Yeah, it is quite fun, really. He's, uh, Donald Diamond calls it a short, sharp, spunky challenge, and it puts out an open call to the audience. Picks a kid with a sensible haircut and two others. That would be Scott. <laughs> Another young man called George. Yes. And then the third one. A lovely young lady. Yes. Now, I have got five different versions of her name. I've, brought, I've got Lola at first, and I've written Dola. Then later I've got Dolak, Doland, Dolad or Dolat? The last one was correct. Uh, it is Dolat. Okay. I, I checked this end. one out. <laughs> I found a very useful resource of someone that has actually created a database of every single challenge and segment on Games Master. Okay. And yeah, it's Dolat as okay. far as, well, as far as that person's concerned. And I've no reason to doubt them. <laughs> They've put more time into creating this database than I can imagine, but I appreciate their work. Indeed. I was wondering, I mean, do you think that these were plants or picked ahead of time? Maybe they were like picked ahead of time before they went in because they're all like conveniently in the same sort of shot. Scott and George, I think, were genuinely in the audience and may have been picked ahead of time. Dolat does feel a bit planty, and I'll tell you why. Her makeup's perfect. Yes, and she is very much a crowd favourite. And uh, she's also this... a little bit older than the other two. She feels like she may be a runner on the show, or maybe yeah, a I daughter could... of someone involved. I could certainly buy into that. Absolutely. But she's definitely yeah. a gamer. Yeah, yeah. She definitely is familiar with video games. Yeah, and the only reason I thought that they weren't uh, plants is because the kid, I think George's um, jumpers blurred out. I wasn't sure if that was just the VHS rip that we were watching. No, no, they, they were censoring something. censoring something. Did it say or something? I mean, <laughs> like a swear word, or was it a logo that they couldn't get cleared? Maybe it was Nike. Maybe yeah. it was BBC. Oh, I was wearing a BBC <laughs> jumper. Those well-known fashion icons, the BBC Two jumper. And joining me in the pulpit is Neil West from Sega Power. Welcome, Neil. Hi, Dominic. Now, Neil, any general tips you can give our contestants for this difficult one-minute challenge? Well, looks can be deceptive, and although Zoom looks very easy, it is, in fact, very, very tricky indeed. Um, don't forget you can jump, and don't forget that you can fire at the baddies behind you. Um, but apart from that, just keep running. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the booth, we've got Neil West from Sega Power, who low-key is one of my favourites of the, uh, the colour commentators. I really like Tim Booth but I also very much like Neil West from Sega Power. Doesn't like he's dressed for television because he's got his big bright red hat on. He seems like a nice lad. He's got a solid delivery style and he, he doesn't get stuck too often. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't freeze up. So you know how we thought we'd peaked, as it were, with the tennis innuendo? Yes. Dominic Dimes got three individuals in front of him. He goes for broke. Now, I think I feel like a bit of a boy-girl-boy situation. So, Scott, if you play first, 
with Dola in the middle, and George, you can bring up the rear. He says, and I quote, he feels like a bit of a boy-girl-boy situation. Oh, yeah. Scott gets to go first, Dolas in the middle, and George can bring up the rear. I Dolat even, laughs at it. I didn't even put that together. The two boys don't get oh. it. Dolat's like, you <laughs> filthy mucker. <laughs> I did not put that together. Either it's sexual innuendo or he's actually going to be the pro creating the prototype for the human, human centipede. centipede. <laughs> um, anyway, Scott is up first. Far too cool for school, this kid. Uh, he gets a few blocks, runs straight into the green hand with 25 seconds to go. Doesn't feel like he really clears much of the board. Uh, Dolat is up next. There is so much dry ice around Neil and Dominic Diamond. It's like Cheech and Chong are providing commentary. <laughs> And uh, she somehow slightly does worse than Scott. Like, she nearly gets trapped, but then manages to evade. But with 35 seconds to go, just runs straight into the hands. Yeah, or walks phantom, into it. Sorry. Yeah, walks into the glowing green hands, <laughs> warm embrace of death. Yeah. And Neil West was actually really putting her over as well. He said, like, ah, she's got a smart plan. She's worked out that you're quicker than the hand. And then she runs straight into it. And he's like, ah, oh, no, yeah, she's, she's, she's done and done that now. Well, I'll tell you one thing, neither of the two competitors so far had worked out. Something that Neil pointed out right from the offset don't forget to, to jump, jump. <laughs> although george you know he remembers to jump he just jumps at completely the wrong moment he jumps into the corner <laughs> at a point when there was nothing to jump over and in fact by jumping misdrawing one of the lines it would have actually helped him complete another square he didn't leave there for no apparent reason dominic diamond says george has jumped there no reason why <laughs> Uh, and it feels like he's actively avoiding power-ups at one point. He's like running away from them. But he does grab a clock that freezes the Phantom. And I was like, this is your chance, George. This is your chance for redemption, man. You can win this challenge. And with seconds to go, he panics and runs straight into the hand. There's two seconds left on the challenge. Oh, I, he, if he'd survived, he still wouldn't have won the golden joystick. No. But he would have at least walked away as the best of the three competitors. That's it. One of the things I remember was just coming out of Dolat's performance was Dominic saying... Now, Neil, was there anything positive about Dolat's performance? Um, not for Dolat, no. Was there anything positive about Dolat's run? <laughs> and Neil's like, not for Dolat, no. <laughs> Boom. Headshot. Down. And then I'm going to let you do this because this is your favourite moment of the whole show. Possibly the season. Dominic goes up to them and he's like... Scott... Plank. Dola, plank. George, you came so very, very close, but ultimately, plank. Scott, plank. <laughs> Dolat, plank. George, you came close, good effort, but ultimately, plank. Plank, <laughs> plank is now entering my vocabulary. I'm going to use that word. I had not heard it in so long, <laughs> and Dominic's delivery of it, well... Somewhat harsh. The kids are laughing. Yeah. Because it is funny. It's perfect delivery and it's accurate. It's really funny. It's time now for a lovely cup of orange zinger. And we'll see you all again next week for another Games Master. Good night. And he's going to go off and have himself a cup of orange zinger as the show comes to an end. So that is episode three of Games Master. What did you make of it? It's kind of an episode of one actually really good challenge because the thing about Zoom... It was an odd choice of a game. It had a fairly impossible challenge. It had three people randomly plucked from the audience. It was also not a good game. When it came no. out, it was hated. Oh, it was badly reviewed. It was two years old at this point as well. Why they randomly picked this game that was two years old? Yeah. I don't know. 
I, I cannot fathom why they chose that particular game. I can't see any ties in publishers or anything like that or any promotions. It was an old game and it wasn't popular. I think only the Spectrum version or something got a good review, but again, the bar on the Spectrum was lower compared to where everything else was going at the time. Exactly, I've got this from Wikipedia. It says, one reviewer stated the game is, quote, easily the worst game to yet appear on the Sega, Sega Mega Drive and not worthy of the system. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mega Man challenge was not great. It's unfortunate because he did... He, I, I think... I almost feel like they should have let him have another crack at it and used a better take. He, or... They should have said, you've got a time limit and you've got two lives or yeah. three lives. They should have given him the lives and then just paused the clock while it resets the beginning of the level or wherever the finish point or the, the midway point or whatever was. And yeah, let him go again. I'd have done that differently. The Zoom challenge, while brilliant for the plank at the end, was not amazing. But the entire episode was saved not only by the filth of the tennis challenge, but by the actual challenge itself, it was so good, it was so engaging, and perhaps indicates that sports game... We're getting the hint of esports here, mm, because yeah. it was that engaging, yeah. much like the football game with Fashnu was that engaging. It was, it, was, it was a solid game that was almost... Because tennis and football are actually spectator sports, they gelled the best with the audience and, to a degree, with the commentators. It was a really, really good, fun thing. The review section was so-so, the consultation zone was funny, I'm going to give it a safe 70%. I think that's fair enough. I, I, like with you, this was very much a one challenge episode. The Annabelle Croft stuff completely saved this episode. And it's so fun to watch. I did enjoy the, the, the Mega Man stuff only because I got a kick out of seeing Mega Man 2. But at the same time, I was like, that's a nigh on impossible challenge to do for a kid in 1991. There were actually two impossible challenges, really. Yeah, because I don't. I'm not sure if you can do the Zoom one in a minute. Maybe like Neil West from Sega Power could probably do it in under a minute. And he'd hate every second of it. <laughs> he did a very good job of not shitting on this game <laughs> because he must have played this game. He must have known how bad it was. I should go back and look and see what Sega Power gave it and what. Yeah. No. What, what, what? Who reviewed it? Can you imagine if Neil West reviewed it, gave it like 12% and then end up having to commentate on a challenge? <laughs> uh, but overall, it was a, it was a, a strong episode, but really it was, it was a one challenge episode. So I'm, I'm going to go with, in your sort of ballpark, I'm going to slightly higher at 75% though. That's fair. Three quarters of the way there. Yeah, absolutely. Right then, Ash, I think you and I should go and have ourselves a nice cup of orange zinger and let's get ready for episode four next week. I can't wait. All for the episode. <laughs> Now for that information about the Under Consultation Club. You can follow us on Twitter at UnderConsultPod, and you can send your thoughts on each episode to feedback at underconsultation.com. You can also follow your hosts on Twitter at ThisIsLukeOwen and at AshVersus. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a subscribe and a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.